Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2011. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in Pontiac, Michigan, with an old friend and a returning guest, one of my first 100 guests here on Cars Yeah, Tim McGrain. Tim, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Mark, uh, good to see you again, and uh, thanks again for the repeat opportunity. I did, didn't realize I was... Uh, one of the really early guests. So I uh, certainly appreciate being back on the show and seeing you again. Well, I appreciate the fact you took a, a chance with me back when I was venturing off on this goofy podcast idea. Little did I know that uh, I think you were guest number 28. Now you're guest number 2011. So I've talked to a few people since you've been on the show, right? Sounds like it. I've listened to some of them. I've got a few to catch up on by the sound of it. Well, what you have to do is go on a cross-country road trip in a car and do it. Go one way to one coast and then back, and you might be able to listen to all of them Uh. by the time you're done. So there you go. Now, there's one thing that I didn't ask you last time you were on the show, and a lot has changed in your life since you were last on the show. What's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about the great Tim McGrain? Ah, probably best best left quiet in that (laughs) respect. No, I, I, I don't have... Um, you know, I, I don't profess to have any hid, hidden talents. Um, some people may say maybe I don't have any talents anyway, but uh, I don't um, know about that. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a uh, sort of a you know a, a budding musician that nobody knows about. I don't have any talents on the dance floor. I don't embarrass myself on the dance floor. So my <laughs> wife says, um, yeah, no, I just uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've got anything intriguing for you. You just hang out with cars, and you certainly have done that a lot in your life. And as I said, a lot has changed since the last time you were on the show. Uh, So let me give you a proper introduction and we'll talk about this exciting new venture that you're coming up on your one year anniversary here, right? That is correct. Yes. March 1st of last year is when I took over the position of CEO at M1 Concourse. There we go. All right. Tim McGrain is, as he said, the CEO at M1 Concourse. It's an 87-acre playground for automotive enthusiasts that includes the world's largest community of private garages and a state-of-the-art 1.5-mile performance track, all within its own private motorsports club. M1 Concourse is the epicenter of all things automotive in the metro Detroit area and provides the largest concentration of automotive enthusiasts in the world, a venue to enjoy their passion with family and friends. Tim's career path has been embedded in the automotive enthusiast world. He's worked at Barrett-Jackson, The Rob Report, was the executive director at the Blackhawk Automotive Museum when we last had him on the show. He served as CEO for the Sports Car Racing Association of Monterey Peninsula at the Laguna Seca Racetrack. Listeners will recall past Cars yeah guest Brad Olenshansky, who was here, who was the developer of M1 Concourse. So now we get an insider's view of how this fabulous facility works. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our value sponsor, so give them a little listen, and we'll be right back. Covercraft has the most complete line of custom seat covers available. Choose between the polycotton seat savers, Endura Precision Fit custom seat covers, Leatherette Precision Fit custom seat covers, and their durable Carhartt seat covers. 
They're all easy to install and remove. And guess what? They're machine washable too. Easy cleanup to make them look brand new. No more worries about the kids spilling on your seats or your pets damaging your expensive upholstery or leather. Covercraft's quality seat covers protect from damaging pet claws, pet fur, hair, mud, moisture, food, drink spills, drool from permanently damaging your vehicle's fine surfaces. Headrest and armrest covers and color options are also available on many of the styles. And I've got a great offer for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping with the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Visit Covercraft.com today. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Tim, we are back. So, since you're uh, near a racetrack there, you have a racetrack, let's dive a little deeper into the corner. And I'd love to talk a little bit more, or a lot more, about all the different aspects of M1 Concourse. So, let's start with the transition you made into this facility when you came into the facility a year ago, a lot has happened since you've been there. So talk a little bit about all the different things you have there at this incredible place. So first of all, when, when I came here, and I was familiar with the facility briefly um, for my time at Laguna Seca. You know, this isn't a racetrack, so it wasn't part of sort of the racetrack, you know, operators community uh, that we would meet, you know, during the course of the years. Um, but having, you know, in the racing world, you, you sort of keep your ear to the ground and and I knew the people that ran or run Thermal in the Palm Springs area, Apex out in the Phoenix area, and then on this coast, you know, Monticello and, and up in New York and the Concord Club down in Miami. So that was a world I was sort of very familiar with. And this M1 concourse had, had come up. So, you know, I knew the basic information. And, and when I first came here, um, you know, my point of reference was it's an 87 acre piece of property with this facility on it. Uh, having come from Laguna Seca, which sits on 550 acres, you know, I, this is sort of, you know, intimate. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when I got here, what, you know, to visit or in the meetings I had, the the way it had been put together was was very intriguing. You know, the 250 private garages and how that whole world works, the track, the one and a half mile track, as you say, and how that's configured. At the time, our new event center was just in the process of starting to be built. 
um, and the development of what we call our signature events. So there were a number of elements, uh, and this was for future development, there were a number of elements of the facility and the operations from a business point of view that made it sound very intriguing and certainly exciting opportunity to be a part of. You know, not so much at the beginning, because that was obviously what Brad and and our owner, you know, now Paul Zlotoff and the, and the Zlotoff family uh, did when they first started it with Brad, uh, but taking it and, and growing it and developing, you know, M1 Concourse, you know, in our own, you know, way, really standing out in the space. Well, it's a fabulous facility, and I've seen as things have developed. And one of the things to me that has made this facility so successful is there are lots of pieces to this thing. It's not just your typical garages that guys have man caves or women have their women caves and they come in and hide their cars or keep their cars or play with their cars. But you've got all these different facets. So let's kind of walk through them. One thing is it's 87 acres. Is that right? It is, yes. Yeah, so a little smaller than Laguna Seca. <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to get any bigger. We we are uh, we are landlocked uh, by four roads and a railroad, and it's been this shape for over a hundred years. Yeah. So uh, it, it's going to stay eighty-seven acres. But what's cool is you've been able to pull off a lot of different things there. Now you've got a one-point-five mile Champion Motor Speedway road course. Of course, Champion Spark Plugs being one of your major supporters and sponsors, where that name comes from. So tell us how your members and how different. Actually, you have car events there. You have Mark come in and show off their new cars. What are the different ways that they use this facility? So, as you say, the track is, it's a, you know, either classified as a, a driver development track or high performance driving track. Um, it's not designed and, and certainly not configured for wheel to wheel racing. Uh, so, it, it works in the sense that um, it's accessed by uh, our motorsports club members, and, and those members come from the garage community. You have to be a garage owner to then become a member of the M1 Motorsports Club. And as a member of the club, you then get, you know, the track access, you know, during the course of, you know, certain days, weeks, months, like that. The other opportunities we have with the new event center, which sits right on pit lane, um, and it was designed to cater to sort of the automotive world. Um, so the, the track and the event center are rented, whether by, you know, automotive manufacturers, OEMs coming out here, photo shoots, developments. We've had some teams come out and do some testing here. And then, you know, our event world, both the private events that come out here uh, to use a facility or the signature events that we're developing. The first two are Woodward Dream Show in August and our American Speed Festival in sort of the first weekend in October. Yeah, some very cool events that you're going to be having there. And then, of course, you've got these wonderful private garages. Now, how does that work? Do people rent them or do they actually buy them like a condo so you own the airspace inside and, and you can detail it out the way you want? That's exactly it. You know, when the owners come in, they actually buying. It's a real estate transaction. You know, they they are buying uh, the garage we built. Uh, we developed the the structure, so we built, delivered a a, a white box um, in varying sizes, and then uh, people come in and do you know build outs from that. So uh, so they own you know that particular garage. Uh, the the build outs are completely from one extreme to the other. Um, there are some people that have basically sort of taken the facility that we've provided them and they're just using it either to store cars in or to keep their race cars in. And then on the other extreme, you've got ones that are, uh, you know, looks like they could be on Architectural Digest as a sort of a New York apartment. Um, you know, they've got very creative uh, with how they've maximized the space. Um, you can certainly tell the difference where they're very sort of, you know, guy focused and car focused as opposed to it, it's more of a, a cross-section. I mean, the, the white marble 
uh, you know, the, the, the glass, you know, stairs, the chrome banisters, um, and that type of thing. So it's, it's, it's great to see. We, our new phase, which, which just finished, we've got the last two getting ready to close. Uh, we've heard of some build out opportunities in there that are, are really going to be exciting to see. Yeah, so we got 200, 250 of them. Wow. And uh, that that's going to be all that are going to be built here. Yeah, fantastic. And with that event center, then I would assume the members of these condos can come and they can meet, they can have parties, they can have events, they can have driving events. I mean, there's, there's a lot of facets to this little diamond you've created. Well, the event center is actually, as much as the, the, the members get to access it, it, it's not a clubhouse. You know, in essence, by each one of them having their own garage, they've, they've sort of got their own clubhouses. Yeah. So the event center was designed as part of the sort of the business model for M1. Um, as, as you said in the opening, it, it is important to have, you know, the, the different revenue streams for the business model. Obviously, in the early stages, the, the selling of the garages was the early part of that. You know, once the garages are sold out, that particular business element has, has now ceased uh, because now they are all part of their own garage owners association. So we have our motorsports club, which is one aspect, and then the event center, which is available to members uh, to use and garage owners to use. But also, you know, the idea is to do corporate, private, social and other events. Very cool. Now, you've got some fleet partners, too, that are pretty big names in the automotive world. Mazda, Lexus and Dodge, right? We do. So Mazda's been with us in a long time in a smaller capacity. We've got one of their cup cars here, MX-5 cup cars. Uh, but, but Dodge and Lexus have been very supportive of the program we've had here. Um, you know, the Lexus uh, cars, and obviously that was existing already when I got here, but having come from Laguna Seca, where we had a long relationship with Lexus, it was great to continue that corporate relationship. Um, the, the, the Dodge brand have been very good with being involved here. Given it's only a one and a half mile track, the Chargers, Challengers, and the Hellcats, um, they're, they're a little bit of a handful around here, but, yeah. but really exciting. So we really appreciate the relationship with Dodge and with Lexus. Absolutely. And you also provide the opportunity for rentals for events. So can private groups come out or let's say Porsche wants to rep, uh, present their new car to a select group of people in the Pontiac or Detroit area? Is that an opportunity for people as well? It is. And we've had that. So, you know, a number of the manufacturers, uh, you know, Porsche, GM, uh, Jaguar Land Rover done some media events here. Um, so, yes, they, they can come out. They can rent either just the track. Uh, during the summer months, we have an outdoor pavilion. Uh, we've got our new event center, which allows us a year-round opportunity. Um, and then in other places, we've got a, an undeveloped piece of property uh, that some of the manufacturers are using and, and installing a small you know, off-road driving experience. Whether it's you know, manufacturers, uh, again, private, private individuals, private events, we've had some, some social events here. Um, and it's important for us to, you know, we're located on Woodward Avenue and, and Woodward Avenue is designated Michigan Highway Number One. That's where the M1 comes from. Um, and we're the gateway project into the city of Pontiac. Uh, so we, we're very visible and it's important for us to be, you know, an important you know, com community member with both the city of Pontiac and the county of Oakland. Um, so we, we're hosting, you know, what will be the, the state of the county, um, you know, talk in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we do a lot with the with the new uh, Pontiac City Council. Um, so again, it, it's both automotive and non-automotive. You know, your career has been really fascinating because you've always stayed in the automotive sector, but you've done some tremendously different kinds of things. When we last spoke back in 2014 on this show, I've seen you, of course, since then at many events. You seem to be at every event that possibly happens around the world. Maybe you've got a private jet these days that I don't know about. But uh, uh, at any rate, 
I wanted to ask you a little bit about the transitions between these different career paths, because I've had several people in the last two years, and COVID may have play on this, that are making changes later in their career. They've done the same thing for a long, long time. Uh, You went from Blackhawk, wonderful facility, lots of moving parts to a massive facility at Laguna Seca with massive number of moving parts. And now you're at this facility. What is this transition between these different career paths kind of been like for you? And, and the reason I ask you this question is I'm, I'm actually helping and mentoring a few friends right now going through this. And they're, they're asking their opinion, my opinion, of different opportunities. They're changing their career paths at a point in their lives that they're in their 40s and 50s, uh, which can be a challenge sometimes. So what have these different transitions been like for you? Uh, and how have you overcome maybe a couple of the obstacles that faced with those? Yeah, well... Supposed to go, cars have probably been somewhat of a consistent common denominator uh, with the positions I've had from going back when I, when I first got into uh, fall and temper, the sort of the classic car auction world back in the, in the 80s. So whether it was solely, you know, cars, um, obviously Barrett Jackson was, was very much, you know, all about cars and, and, and the Black Hawk collection when I was with them in the 90s. You know, at the museum, it was a combination with, you know, you had the car component, but now you've got an educational component being a museum. And, and like a lot of museums, special events were very important to us uh, from a business model point of view. No museum survives on, on people paying to come and look at things, um, that type of thing. Uh, when I first came to the States, I actually uh, I, I had a newly minted uh, mechanical and engineering degree, and I, I elected to go to Palm Springs. Um, which an engineering degree has absolutely no purpose there. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I sort of repurposed myself or went into the hospitality business and um, and spent some time in there. And, and that was a good sort of basis because the, the person I worked for at, at the time, I wouldn't say he taught me things, but you learned a lot. If you wanted to learn a lot, you could learn a lot. And that underlying core about how to treat people in the hospitality world it's, it's something that's, that's sort of been consistent with me yeah. through the past. So, you know, when I was with the Rob Report, yes, we were doing cars in the automotive world, but we were also, um, you know, in the super yacht world, the private aviation world, sort of the luxury lifestyle. Again, it's, it's all about that, that taking care of people, whichever world you may be in. So there has been sort of a thread of, of, of overlapping opportunities or overlapping uh, experiences that I've had that I've been able to revisit. And when I came to M1 Concourse, there was somewhat a little bit of each in the sense that there was the, the racetrack world, which, you know, for coming from Laguna Seca, there was consistency there. You know, with the event center, it was a bit of my what I'd done with Black Hawk Museum and the events and in the hospitality world. Um, you know, we have a, a, a membership club here. So you've got that sort of a affinity group and that type of stuff. So it, it, it does take some changing. I've been very fortunate to have some of the experiences I've had. Um, there, there have some been, there was a couple of times when it sort of ventured into a world that was somewhat, I want to say unsure of, but I think when I went to start the events division for the Rob Report company, that was probably the biggest transition I made because I was going from a world that I knew, knew very well, which was the sort of the, the classic car and car auction world and that whole world. Um, and now going into the events division of a publishing company. So you were sort of the three dimensional division in a two dimensional world. Yeah. That was, uh, that was probably the first time I'd made a, a change where it was, I wouldn't say I was unsure, but it was certainly one of those big sort of decision making moves. Um, it turned out to be wonderful. It was, it was a great opportunity. Uh, did, ended up doing a lot of stuff in, in the yacht world, 
and the plain world, and then they do all overlap. You you meet uh, you know people you know whether from the the quote manufacturer side in all those respective worlds or the customer in all those respective worlds, and and sometimes you you see them in in you see the same person in different parts of the world. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm wondering way back, and I don't remember the year. It had to be early 90s, mid 90s, I got invited to the Rob Report's 10th anniversary party at the Playboy Mansion. Were you part of that? Well, actually, I I, I don't want to correct you, Mark, but I, I, I was there. You were right to the location where you were right at the event, but but that was actually DuPont Registry. Oh, did DuPont. Events. That, okay. Yeah. I because apologize. Because they were actually partly owned by the Playboy organization, Playboy Publishing. Oh, and yes, okay. I was there. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was there. I was part there as a guest, as were you. So Isn't that, you know, and we didn't know each other way back when. No. I, don't, I don't believe, which is interesting, but I, I remember, and you're right, DuPont, I had those two mixed up. They were yep. kind of similar. You know, I call them airport magazines. You go to, yep. on a long flight, you buy those at the airport yep. and look at all the cool stuff. But uh, yeah, I remember I came home and I told my wife, I said, hey, I got invited to a party uh, at the Playboy Mansion. She goes, yeah, right. And I go, no, really? And I said, are you okay if I go to that? And she goes, if you got invited to the Playboy Mansion, you go and have fun. And I I showed her the, you know, the ticket and she went, uh-oh. But uh, it was an interesting event, of course. And um, they had some very cool cars there and you got to walk around, you know, the mansion, yeah. which had a lot of this, you know, mystery to it and all that kind of fun stuff. But I understand some guy is now since some young guy has now since bought that and completely renovated that building. So yeah. yeah, kind of a new place. But isn't that interesting that we were both there? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Do you have a key influencer or mentor that has been extremely helpful to you? I'm sure you've had a lot. You've had so many associations with so many people, uh, but maybe one person that stands out for you. Well, if I can cheat a bit and, and maybe throw a couple of names in there. Yeah. But first of all, I would say my parents were, uh, up until the time I left here, they left England and come to the States. But in my early years, and, and I mentioned, you know, my time in the hospitality business, gentleman of Mel Haber, um, who in, in the Palm Springs area had been there for a number of times. He was originally from New York, and, and he owned one of those sort of exclusive uh, inns in Palm Springs that had a very upscale restaurant. He owned a, a nightclub, which was a combination of a Casablanca on one side and a Studio 54 on the other. Um, and had just taken over the place called the Tennis Club from when it was going private. And, and I worked for, for Mel for a period of time. And, and he was that person, again, that he it was all about taking care of the customer. Um, now, indirectly, it was all about making sure his business did well, which it did. You had the opportunity to learn a lot from Mel. He, he, he wasn't going to teach you. Um, and, he, and he didn't take it. And you only got a chance, the chance to learn once. Uh, <laughs> but in my early times here in the States, I think he was probably in my hospitality experience. You know, some of the, the sort of the principles that he had, you know, I, I still follow today from a point of view of that. In the car world, no doubt about it, it it's Don Williams from Blackhawk. I had a long relationship with Don, still have. Uh, I, I worked from twice, you know, in the 90s, most of the 90s. I was at the Blackhawk Collection. And then, you know, we had communicated. I had left there in 2000 when I went over to Barrett Jackson. And then uh, we kept in touch. And in the 2000, early 2013, 12 or 13, we were talking. And just out of the blue, he just said, you know, have you ever thought about coming back to the museum? I think the museum was getting ready for its 25th anniversary. And, and he said, you know, we're not ready. I need help. Um, and, and I went back up there for a number of years. Um, but I would say probably, you know, Don Williams um, for, for most of my sort of, uh, you know, career in the car world. 
Well, what a facility that place is. It's one of those uh, dream destinations for any automotive enthusiast. We'll take another short break. We come back. I want to talk a little bit about challenges and bucket lists and maybe some car stuff, which I know you love. So we'll be right. We'll be right back. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because, well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. We all count on skilled auto technicians to ensure that our families and ourselves are safe on the road. That an airplane will get me safely to my destination. That trucks are moving the stock to shelves of essential parts and things that we need. That's why Tech Force Foundation's slogan is so appropriate. When techs rock, America rolls. I love that. Tech Force is a charity of cars, yeah. And like all charities... They need our support. If you love cars and can relate to the young person's desire to turn their passion into a career, go to techforce.org today and donate or become a volunteer. That's techforce.org. So let's talk about this uh, challenge question, uh, challenge obstacle, whatever it might be. The more important part of this question has to do with what did that really hard time teach you so you could move forward into a, uh, a more productive phase in your life, let's say. Well, you know, when, when I looked at the question, you know, we've all had challenges, you know, you have sort of, you know, things come up that you, you're unplanned and you have to work around it. But I think probably a true challenge that, and it, it is quite recent, is uh, what I experienced at Laguna Seca. I, when I was first approached about the position at Laguna Seca, um, I, I, I respectfully, I didn't decline, I, I, I probably made a comment along the lines of you out of your mind. <laughs> Very close to the place. I, I knew more than the challenge. I knew the challenges that I had there. But when we went down there, I, I knew that the, the, the known challenges were all doable. The, 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 it, it was all possible. It, was, it just needed, you know, the, the, the right management and the, the team being pointed in the same direction. The, the challenge that I, but I do remember reading this article. There's a writer for Racer Magazine, Marshall Pruitt. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marshall is, 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 is wonderful and wonderfully unfiltered. And he, <laughs> there was a, as I was going through that, I thought, well, I know the problems that are there. Let me see what is that there. Because there had been this cycle of the county versus Scramp and Scramp versus the county. And there was an article that he wrote and it was headlined, Managing Laguna Seca, a job that nobody would want. <laughs> I went, I better read that one. Yeah, might want to anyway, learn about that. It, it it didn't tell me anything I didn't know. It it encapsulated it. So we took on the position that the 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 challenge we had was the Monterey County, you know, assistant bureau, you know, uh, administrator sort of derailing uh, Scram's efforts. Mm, um, yeah. And unfortunately, the, the, the end result was, uh, you know, politicians making the decision they, they did. Probably my takeaway is I trusted him in the said that, you know, he was going to be, 
you know, our liaison between the facility, which was county owned, and the county supervisors, the politicians who ultimately made the decision, um, you know, that would affect our future. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't have trusted him. Actually, we should have had our own relationship, you know, with the supervisors in that respect. Um, I, I have since, you know, been in, in, you know, part of other groups where it's come up where you have a facility and you're in a community. And, and I strongly suggest, you know, the, the importance of, of developing, you know, relationships with, with those that, you know, in, in the, the area you are, whether it's a city, a county, you know, a principality. So they were hearing your message and not some, some filtered or misguided version of, of a third party uh, that has the potential to derail you. That was the problem that, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I took him for his word. And unfortunately, you know, we paid the price. The Scramp organization after 62 years, you know, did not get their agreement renewed. And I regret that to this day, but, you know, it is what it is. So onward and upward. Well, that's why these things teach us incredibly valuable lessons that we don't repeat. Or we, I think in this way, it wasn't a matter of making a mistake. It was just a simple trust. I say simple with a lot of big quotations around it because there was nothing simple about that whole experience. And of yeah. course, uh, not fun for you, not fun for a whole lot of people. That was just a complete, uh, well, it is what it is it is what it was. Yeah. It was what it is. Yeah, I mean, we were taking the facility that that it certainly had its problems, and and some of them were, you know, some of them were the the scramp organization's responsibility. Yeah, they hadn't they hadn't done everything right. But you know, but we had, we were turning it around. We were very fortunate to get IndyCar back. Now we needed the, the, the county help we, to, to that. I will certainly respect that. We got IndyCar back after fifteen years. We got the Trans Am organization back after fifteen years. We were we were re revisiting some of the business models that we had done, and and sometimes you have to be careful that you don't you don't do the same thing over and over again uh, because you think it's a good idea, and only to find out that from a business point of view it isn't. And it probably happens in other worlds, but in the car worlds, we can get really passionate about things and convince ourselves it's the right thing to do, um, only to find out that you know when you look at it on paper, it, it isn't. Right. Um, so you know there was a couple of, of tough decisions to make about not continuing to do something that had been there for a while. But we were making a difference. Uh, we were turning the place around. But um, again, we had uh, there was people with ulterior motives out there. Absolutely. Uh, the, the derail that. So, yeah, well, I'll tell you the the time that you were there, I was uh, astonished at what was happening and how fast it was happening as far as improvements, because I've been, I've been going to that track for 31 years and seen all the different variations. But in many ways, a lot of the things that were never getting better, uh, even though it had that name about it. You know, yeah. Laguna Seca. And yeah. so, uh, you know, to me, you were always the guy, the only guy, I think, at the track that wore a suit and a tie, it seemed like. And you were always moving, you know, to, I used to say, well, if you want to say hi to Tim, you better walk fast because you're going to have to be walking right next to the guy to talk to him because he's not going to stop because yeah. he's moving as fast as the car. So my hat's off to you for what you did while you were there. It was absolutely tremendous. And uh, uh, I'm so excited that you're back at, or you're at a place that's car related, uh, that's something more positive and uh, moving forward. You know, I want to talk a little bit about cars with you because i know you're the consummate car guy is there one special vehicle in your life that you'd like to share with us and uh, maybe tell a little story about well you know first of all I'm, i've been one of these people that's been extremely fortunate to to have positions where you're you're the custodian or, or you have in your charge some of the greatest cars out there mostly the classic cars so i i've sort of lived a great experience through through other people's 
um, cause. It's a lot more affordable when you live that way, you know? <laughs> You're the smartest yeah. guy on the planet. <laughs> but, but I will tell you, if there's if there's one car, maybe it's not a car, but it, it's a, a, something that connects, you know, when I was very young to sort of my, you know, current life and then to, you know, my family's future um, is a little car called an Austin J40. Okay. I got an Austin J40 uh, when I was five, it was my fifth birthday, and I've got a couple of photographs that I don't know whether my parents or my grandparents took, and I'm sitting in this car with my school blazer and my cap on looking all very serious. Uh -huh. The J40 is actually, for those people that are either gone to the Goodwood Revival event or have seen pictures of it, that's the car they use for the lunchtime race down the start and finish straight. Oh, yes, yes. The well, Yeah, okay. I know exactly yeah, so what you're talking about. Actually, it was made by the Austin Company. Uh -huh. um, it was actually a program that they had uh, where they were uh, finding jobs to rehabilitate Welsh miners who suffer from black lung. So uh, they, they had a factory that built these, these little J40s. Um, I went to boarding school when I was six, so the, the pedal car disappeared to wherever my parents, you know, went to when I got back. Um, but but sort of later in life, I'd always pined after, oh, it'd be great to have that back. And I would see rusted out examples at Hershey uh, or, or restored ones at, 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 at RM at Amelia, and they'd always too either much too expensive or too far away. But my wife, uh, it was a Pebble Beach one time. We were at a reception talking to a uh, a dear friend that collected a lot of automobilia that was up in the uh, the Seattle area, a new part of the world, Gordon App. Oh, Gordon, yeah. Uh -huh. So Gordon had an enormous automobilia collection, and he was talking about paring it down. And, and Gordon had sort of taken a break, and uh, Cindy had asked me and said, do you think Gordon's got a J40? And, and, and I piped up, well, what? he wouldn't have a J40. They're, they're mostly in England. Well, little did I know Gordon had two of them. Wow. So Cindy connected with him. He had an unrestored one and a restored one. And uh, she ended up purchasing the unrestored one. And, and it's unrestored in the sense it's got that original patina. Yes. It's probably got all the dings and dents and, and barks that, that mine would have had if I'd still had it. Yeah. Uh, it was very close to the same blue. Uh, and wow. she bought it. And Gordon had it sent down uh, to the Black Hawk Museum. And, and it arrived the morning we would we used to do a speaker series there on a Saturday morning, and Matt Stone was our speaker, and he had a book out, my first car, uh -huh. and um, and this thing showed up, and, and they unloaded it, and it was the J40. Oh my gosh! And um, I, I I fear that she probably spent as much on that car as maybe <laughs> I spent on my first three full size cars. <laughs> but anyway, but you know we've got a granddaughter that lives in Arizona, and and, and I can certainly see you know. You know, whether she's five or a little bit younger or a little bit older, uh, that's going to be sort of the next generational thing. So yeah. as silly as it sounds, Austin J40 is something that I've had a fondness and, and now I've probably got the world's most expensive credential holder. <laughs> you know, I've met your wife, Cindy. She's lovely. And uh, what a wonderful gift, a thoughtful gift. That's a great story. I love it. Uh, unique yeah. one as well. I'm going to crawl in your head because I didn't ask you this last time you were on the show. I'm going to be your automotive psychologist. All right. So, yeah, here we go. You got to sit back on the couch and uh, go deep into your your history, into your mind. If you were manifest as a car, Tim, and this isn't what you want to be, this is how you perceive the man in the mirror. Are all your idiosyncrasies, your your tactics, the way you live your life and so forth manifest as a vehicle? What would Tim McGrain be, but more importantly, why? 
Well, for, first of all, the, the underlying thing is I'm British. So right. that's going to be the starting point. Okay. So um, I'm going to say an Aston Martin and, and for three reasons. Okay. One, it's British. Two, I think it's it's sort of reserved, which yeah. I think for, for the most part, you know, I, I am. But on the other side of that, perfectly capable of raising hell. <laughs> Hey, nicely said. You know, and the thing about it is you always dress, as I say, very dapper. You're always dressed up. You're always very formal, but very stylish. And the Aston Martin is kind of that thing. You think about James Bond, of course, going with the Aston Martin, but it's sporty, uh, classy, uh, you can take it anywhere to the track or to the beach or to the party or to the pool, uh, but it always fits in and it's always impeccable. So there you go. I love it. I love it. Is there a book that you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, I've got a, um, and, and a lot of it is in transitional storage at the moment as we, we get ready to move into our, our house here. I, I've got a an extensive automotive library and a lot of it's because of the world I've been in. I do like books Yep. Um, in addition to automotive and, you know, history, British history, things like that. But, but automotive books are, are my addiction. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's so many of them, whether they're, you know, sort of biographies or historical books, there's actually a couple that why we were, we were moving, I, I pulled out mm-hmm. and, and I didn't realize, you know, and, until later, uh, but they actually both have the same title, oh. um, purely coincidental. Um, you know, there's, uh, and, and they're more sort of, I would say one's historical and one's a reference book. First of all, in the automotive world, when it comes to automotive writing, um, I think uh, Leonard Setwright is probably one of the great, you know, wordsmiths in the automotive space uh, that I like. But the two books that that have got close by are both called Behind the Wheel. Okay. Uh, and and one of them is a historical look back on on the early days of motoring, and it was written by Lord Montague uh, of Bewley, um, okay. and uh, who, who was one of the you know the forerunners of car collecting. Um, in in England, uh, you know, Bewley Motor Museum down in Hampshire, um, and Edward was also very much involved. He was a very much involved in the car world and uh, and the sailing world as well. Um, but Bewley was a you know, as we were kids, you got taken down to the British National Motor Museum. Um, they have I think three or four of the historic land speed record cars down there. You know, the Golden Arrow, um, you know, one of the Bluebirds. But his book on and, and his library down there and the resource reference library down there is is extremely extensive. And he was a prolific writer. Um, but the uh, um, I think it's got the, it's it's behind the wheel, but it's like the magic and manners of the early years of of, of motoring, um, which I love to read. And then they're very different. If, if you get a book that's written in America about the early days of motoring, it's completely different because it was, um, you know, that's. And then the other one, the same book of, of Behind the Wheel is about the um, it's a, it's an overview over the decades of great automobile aficionados. And that ranges from, you know, the iconic names, um, you know, the Henry Fords and those people, but also to to some of the, the great race drivers and then just personalities. And I, f- I flip back and through it. You know, it's not a book you read from start to finish. You, you know, I'll go and look through the 60s chapter with the different people. Yeah, so it's it was purely coincidental that they're both the same title. But I've got I, I I love I love car books, and I did promise Cindy that until we were moved into the house that 
that, that I wouldn't buy any new books. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't stand true to that promise. I'm just having them delivered to the office. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm the same way. And I interview so many authors. I, I just got Miles Collier's new book. Ah. today, which is fabulous. Yeah, just started browsing through it. I'll enjoy it this weekend, but I'll be having him as a guest on the show yeah. here very shortly. So there's an, another, you know, one wonderful person that's, uh, you know, been so great to the, the, the world of, of, I won't say car collecting, but just sort of cars, you know, oh, yeah. what, what the, the Collie Museum and the Rebs Institute and just his, his insight and the way he looks at, at what we do in the you know, is it preservation? Is it conservation? Is it restoration type world? And uh, right, um, that's a, that's a fabulous place. Yeah, it's been a it's been a few years. I'm long overdue for for a trip over to Naples. I've got a friend who just uh, he lives up here in the northwest. He's a collector. We used to race cars together, and uh, he just bought a home just north of Naples. So I can't wait to go visit him. That's a good friend to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, go down and visit. So he's just retired. So I'm going to let you go on the ultimate drive before I let you go today, which means you can pick any car. I'll provide it to you. You can pick any person to be with, living or deceased, which opens the window to a lot of opportunity, and you could be driving anywhere so what does the ultimate drive look like to tim mcgrain who's probably been on a lot of ultimate drives you know i i went back and forward on this and i got i got down to a, a short list and, and and then i got down to sort of the, the last two um and okay. i'll share them both with you yeah um and, and it was back and forward but 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 one has a slight edge and um and, and you'll see a consistency is in there you know when i grew up you know jim clark was sort of the motor racing hero but, but he had passed away. He'd been killed uh, when I was really younger. You know, he, obviously his legacy lasted longer. But when I really got into sort of following motorsports, Jackie Stewart was the person. Mm, um, yeah. I was extremely fortunate that I grew up a stone's throw from Brands Hatch. Um, so we were out there every opportunity, you know, whether it was Grand Prix, non-championship Formula One races and anything you could imagine. Um, so so he is probably that, that person um, that you just go and, and – in my later life, I've been extremely fortunate, you know, to sort of interact with him at any of the sort of the historic car events, obviously at Laguna Seca and what he does with the, with the Rolex company. Um, but, but he got slightly Trump, he got slightly beaten out. It would have to be Carol Shelby. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And I, I, over the years I had, was very fortunate to do some projects. With, I wouldn't call them projects. They were events. In 1990, we did a tribute event for him in Palm Springs. That was probably the first time I had really, you know, extended interaction with him. Later on, I did one of his sort of garage sale auctions where we went down to his place in Gardena and pull out a, a whole bunch of his memorabilia and stuff. And we did that. Uh, Barrett Jackson, you know, Craig and Steve Davis have a long relationship with Carol and we hosted his 80th birthday and I actually put together the, the commemorative program there. And, um, you know, as a kid, he was, you know, he, he was the person and, and that hasn't changed you know, probably one of the greatest personalities out there. So it would have to be Carol, one for what he did automotively. Secondly, the stories would just have to, would be so wonderful. <laughs> no kidding. Um, he, you know, now how factual they may be, but they would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so see, that would be, that would be the ride with, with Carol. Um, and it would have to be in the 1959 24-hour winning Aston Martin DBR1. Ooh. And given that it's a 24-hour car, we'd have to switch over driving. So I'd do some driving and he'd do some driving. 
Wow, what a drive. That would be fantastic. Well, you've taken us on a wonderful drive today, Tim. I knew this would be fun. I'm so happy we were able to reconnect here. Congratulations coming up on your first year anniversary at M1 Concourse. That's fantastic. Before I let you go, could you share maybe a mantra, success quote, or words of inspiration for us today? Well, I'll, 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 I'll give you a sort of quote. In fact, I may make a, uh, mention a couple of quotes. Um, you know, by, by far the, the person that did the, the, the greatest quotes in history is Winston Churchill. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, there's a sort of a never-ending sort of list of, of quotes that he's done. Um, one that probably I, I thought of a lot when I was going through my Laguna Seca experience, especially the tail end, <laughs> is his famous, you know, when going through hell, keep going. Yeah. Um, because we all have those problem childs here, even in the last couple of years with everything that the world's gone through with the, 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 the COVID or pandemic related challenges. But I think the one, the, the, the one that he said that, that I really, I won't say resonate to, but I think it's something that you do have to think about is, you know, since I, you know, success is not final, failure is not fatal. It's the, it's the courage to continue that counts. Yes. And, and, and that's it because, you know, we, we've all had a moment where we think we can walk on water and we're great and we can't. Uh, and, and then you have a moment where you think you're drowning and, and you're not. But, but it's that, you know, that, 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 that keep on going that's going to get up. So, you know, sort of, you know, don't give up. Um, and it's easy to do. We've all had those times where you, 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 you question things, but, uh, you know, that's that's probably the quote that I think it's it most resonates on on an ongoing time. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful inspiration. How can people learn more about M One Concourse? So our website address is M One, the number one M One Concourse dot com. Uh, we actually March first we will launch our new website. It'll have all information about the M One Concourse facility, our American Speed Festival event, our, our flagship event that happens at the beginning of October, first weekend in October. And this year, uh, we're celebrating 60 years of Shelby and really excited to have a master of motorsports person, honoree Peter Brock, be here. Oh, nice. Um, and then about our um, Woodward Dream Show event, which happens uh, during Woodward Dream Cruise weekend. It's on the Friday. And, and this year, we're paying tribute to, to 90 years of the, the iconic 32 Ford Deuce. Um, and we're also doing something with 100 years of Lincoln, and because we're in Pontiac, we always recognize a Pontiac brand. It's 55 years of the Firebird. So wow. m1concourse.com. And that's C-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-E. That is correct. The, the traditionally non-automotive spelling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to be fun with Peter there. You know, my, my wife, Jill, and I got to spend a weekend at Peter and Gail's home a couple years ago there in Henderson. And I remember sitting out on his deck looking at the sparkling lights of Las Vegas. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful there? It, yeah. It's, that's, a, that's a special place. It's a special place with nobody there. It's even more special when Peter and Gail are there. Well, I was going to say, uh, relating it to Carol Shelby, he, I said, tell me some Shelby stories. And he just laughed. And he goes, <laughs> how much time do we have? And I said, we've got all night. And so uh, we sat there with uh, some drinks in our hands and he shared some incredible stories. So you got a great person there. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Matt Trevor at Campbell Marketing. Uh, he's the one that got me together, back together with Tim today. So thank you very much, Matt, for doing that. Tim, so good to catch up with you. This has been absolutely fantastic. Mark, I I'm I'm just going to, uh, you know, throw in a, a mention because you, you mentioned Campbell and Company. Yeah. Um, for, for those of you who knew him, Rod Campbell, who started that company, was one of the, the great people in the automotive world. And, and he wrote a book called The Incorrigible Optimist. And, and, and that is probably a book. I could just thought about it when he mentioned it. Uh -huh. That is probably a book that, that, that everybody should read. First of all, he had, he had a, 
a wonderful life and what he did in the motorsports world and automotive world. Um, but but as a book to read that's enlightening, um, that that should certainly be on the list. I just thought about that when you when you mentioned Campbell. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely fabulous book. Well, this has been so much fun to catch up with you. Uh, congratulations again on everything upcoming anniversary there at M1 Concourse. Everybody, I'll put links to that. Check it out. Tim, thanks for sharing your story with me again, for coming back for a little visit. I can't wait to see you again. Until then, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you so much for the opportunities. It's always great to catch up with you and, and do appreciate this opportunity to, to be on your podcast for a second time. You're welcome. This has been great. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARS YEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at CARS YEAH. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!